Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Flitz. Well, like a baby colt running through the field, we are running through the 2021 movie slate. That's quite a word picture you're painting, Hoop. Listen, that is the metaphor that I like to come back to all the time because... Whenever there's something that is just very fledgling, trying to find its way, that's the metaphor I come back to because it makes you go, aw, and it also makes you chuckle at the same time watching a baby horse try to run its way along through a field and just wobbling its way through the pasture. That's how this 2021 movie schedule and movie year has felt like, Dave. Like I said, quite a word picture. (laughs) Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Um, As you imagine, riding such a pony through the field, I'm Joel Hoover. On Wildfire On, I'm Dave Brooks. And Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. They have finished the road construction there, so it's a little bit easier now to navigate your way into the Bemidji Theater. A little bit easier, of course, from where the construction had been putting you as far as being able to get in there. Highway 2, just down from the airport. Make sure you come on out if you are feeling ready to get back to the movies. If you are not quite as ready, you can head on over there to get your concessions, to get your popcorn, to get an icy, uh, to get some snacks from there. That still supports the Bemidji Theater, and that supports them in a very, very big way. In a lot Um, of ways, maybe the best way. Yes. Every ticket, it doesn't really go to the theater. It goes back to Hollywood or wherever. But the concession stand, that's why, you know, soda's $3. You know, most of that goes to them. So support them. Go get hungry. Go get some snacks. And if you don't want to go to see a movie at the theater, that's fine. Get a snack at the theater. Then go back home and watch a movie. We, We've done that a few times. We are getting ready for what will hopefully be a busy fall at the Bemidji Theater and at other theaters as we've got our 2021 fall preview going on. A lot of movies that have been kicked back into this realm of time and It's made for a very full slate as far as what these movies are that are going to be coming along. The question is, how will they do at the box office? And that is one of the big uh, talking points here, Dave, that we've got for for the start of this episode as we look back on some of the movies that we did for our summer preview and how they've played out. What's become odd is that the $100 million threshold has suddenly become a, a goal for these movies and and ones that those who assess the industry are taking a look at going who can get to 100 million who can surpass it and keep going on beyond it for example jungle cruise looks like it's going to be able to hit that threshold and work its way beyond it it's done very well at the box office in terms of overall expectation i think even surpassed expectation as far as how it is done so there's just one example of in the positive In the negative, now it's only been its opening weekend, but in the negative, Suicide Squad's newest movie didn't do quite as well as had been hoped for, even though critically it has been extremely well received. James Gunn's direction has really helped bring 
a real guiding force to a movie that, at least in its first iteration, did not do very well critically. Even though at the box office it did solid, uh, it, it really did not do very well critically. Now, it's doing excellent critically. Opening weekend, though, was somewhat tepid. You know, I think I think you nailed it on the head, but... You know, you get examples of this throughout many different franchises. So just take a step back from, say, Suicide Squad. So a few years back, when, when did the first one come out? 17? 2018? Something like that? Around that time. So you got Will Smith, you got Margot Robbie, you've got Jared Leto, you've got a cast and even a cameo by Batman, but it wasn't, by most accounts, all that great of a movie. And even the extended version, it was still not as good. But it was what it was. So now you have a different movie. What's the difference? Well, the word the Suicide Squad. You have a competent director, James Gunn, who's best known from the Marvel Universe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's a it's a hard R, very violent movie. Kids, do not go to this movie. It's, it's like going to see Deadpool. It's uh, definitely hard, and it has earned that R. So don't see it. But uh, see it when you're older. See it when you're older. But parents, do not take your kids to see it. But by all accounts, it's a far superior movie. You got Margot Robbie back, but you got John Cena. You got at least the voice of Stallone. And he's got uh, maybe one of the more memorable violent scenes in the movie that uh, we'll just, we won't say anything about it. But that's that movie scene alone. Parents will be, what did we go see? We've warned you. Do not bring the kids. But it's by all accounts a great movie. But the problem is the first one came out a few years ago and it, it underwhelmed. So why would you want to go see a sequel to a movie that you didn't like the first one to? I think that's going to hurt. And, of course, you have the pandemic now. That's an issue, too. But by all accounts, it's a great movie to go Streaming see. Streaming as well. That's another issue that comes with it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So you put all of those together, and that's what you get. By the way, I want to go on a quick rabbit trail. Okay. Because you mentioned Deadpool. Did you hear a story that came out recently regarding an idea that Ryan Reynolds had for Deadpool yes. and Disney? You you did hear about that. Yes. You heard about his idea Funny. for him meeting the hunter who killed Bambi's mom and doing an interrogation, but it wasn't going to be interrogating him. It was going to be asking him all these questions like, how can I become the most hated character in Disney, the most loathed character in Disney? It was going to be an appreciation kind of interrogation. He wanted to do one of those Disney shorts to do that, one of those famous Disney shorts. Disney sadly turned it down. Well, they don't want you know cross pollination of their various Disney brands, but that's kind of the point. Exactly. I thought it was a great idea, and I, I'm not somebody who watches Deadpool, but I thought it was hilarious. Now, for one, here's where Disney is screwing up, in, in a couple of other ways too. But this is one way that they're screwing up. When did that movie of Bambi come out? 1930 something, early 40s. I mean, it's not like it's new. It's not like you're going to hurt the box office returns of Bambi. Secondly. Along with the shooting, a couple spoilers forthcoming, so just you know, be prepared. The shooting of Old Yeller, the shooting of Bambi's mom, aren't those almost universally what movie moment made you cry the hardest? Along with E.T. dying before he comes back. Isn't that on the top I, of the list when Bambi's I mean, like, mom gets shot? Heaving cry, like yes. heaving really sad cry. Yeah. So you, you embrace that. You... Spin it on its ear a little bit and have fun with it, and maybe you get a few more purchases of a Bambi DVD or some people that are going to, well, I never saw Bambi. Let's get Disney Plus and see Bambi, and then we'll watch Deadpool get his revenge on Bambi's hunter killer. You know, why not have a little fun with it? Get his revenge. It sounds like he appreciates the guy. <laughs> he, he wants to well, learn from it. Yeah, but Deadpool's not a good guy per se. He just kind of, his allegiances flow with the wind. 
So he just happens to be on the force of the good mostly, but you know that if the winds were going a different direction and it was in Deadpool's best interest to go against the good, you could see him battling the X-Men or other people. He's his own his own master. Well, in this particular case, um, the wind is he's trying to, to build fame within the Disney empire, so that's how he feels he's got an opportunity to be able to do so. So anyway, I, I thought that was a funny a funny aside since you had mentioned Deadpool in there. But If 20th Century Fox let him tie up the little boy, Fred Savage, from Princess Bride <laughs> in Deadpool 2.5 or whatever, why can't you have fun with the hunter? Exactly. Come on. All right. So so anyway, the box office standards have really changed, haven't they? Yes. Given the pandemic, given streaming, which we'll get to another streaming story here in a moment, it, it really has changed standards as far as what's expected at the box office or what is hoped for at the box office and, and what might end up doing big business. Even as we look at these movies that are going to be coming later this year, which we'll do here in a little bit, a lot of the thought in the back of the mind goes to how well is this going to perform at the box office given all that's going on otherwise and how willing people are to get out and go see movies. Well, that leads into another question that we have touched base on on previous episodes. You have these day and date releases where let's just let's say Disney Plus as we're talking about it or HBO Max or Peacock with Universal. We're going to release a movie in theaters and if not the week after the same time we're going to also release it on our streaming platform, but for a premium cost. So you don't just, in some cases, you could as long as you have the streaming service, you get to watch this show too. So you're not going to go to the box office to see it. Or it takes a premium charge, like D- Jungle Cruise right now. Not only is it in theaters, it's also on Disney+. Plus, But you have to pay the extra money to see it on Disney+. Plus. So that would that count toward box office receipt? But that's only $20 for a household. That's you and your kids rather than $20 a ticket for you, $20 a ticket for your husband, $20 for your kid, number one, so on and so forth. Maybe bring the neighbors over. Is that hurting the box office returns? And that segues into the next thing, the lawsuit against Disney by Black Widow herself, Scarlett Johansson, which, by the way, is the number one movie thus far for the summer and for 2021 at the box office. But because it's streaming and it's in theaters, does that hurt the box office return because of the back-end deals? So just real quick crash course, when you get an actor to do a movie, it's not as straightforward as, okay, we're going to pay you $20 million and that's it. Sometimes that's the case. But a lot of times, actors will take a lower fee up front. Okay, you pay me $10 million, but then there's the back-end deals. If the, the box office makes yep. this or we, have, or we reach this goal or this milestone, then this bonus kicks in. So I'm getting $10 million guaranteed, but... With this bonus and all the potential bonuses kicking in, I could make 20, maybe 30 million. Maybe I get a percentage of what it makes overall. That's why Alec Guinness did made out like a bandit when he did the first Star Wars movie and George Lucas too. Um, that's how that works. So now that there are less people going to the box office and not just because of the pandemic, but because people are watching it on streaming, does that hurt? Scarlett Johansson, kind of the spearhead of a lot of other people behind her too in the very similar predicament, stepping up for this. Yeah, it has. This lawsuit from Scarlett Johansson has raised some of the concerns that I th- that it's touched on somewhat. Some of the concerns that you and I have expressed and others have expressed in regards to to streaming and some of the issues that you run into, but it's it's brought it up in a new way because, like you said, they are they are expecting a certain cut. These actors who are involved in these movies, they're expecting a certain cut from whatever the final make is at the very end of it. So when you make a decision 
like has been made this year to go, we're going to do same-day streaming and make that available to people. That's going to take a, a chunk out of what you could possibly make at the box office. And an article that I was reading um, when we were getting ready to talk about this brought up a great point that there is a massive amount of ambiguity involved with streaming in regard to how many people actually are streaming an individual product on let's in this particular instance Disney Plus how many people are actually streaming that product and watching it and then with a more premium kind of access that's necessary to be able to watch a movie like Black Widow how do you extract a certain piece of that revenue away for the people involved with the movie how has that been set up there's there's a lot of ambiguity that this lawsuit is correctly bringing to light i i'm curious why this wasn't an issue until after the movie release but but perhaps that was maybe that was intentional or maybe that was the only thing that scarlett johansson could do was wait to be able to make some kind of statement like this until after the movie actually came out but it does raise a great point that with streamers and this this has been the case with streaming services in recent years especially i think of netflix and all the the, the variety of original content that they churn out over and over with no regard to however many people may be watching it and how good that stuff actually is, it's a great it's a great spotlight on the fact that with streamers, there's a ton of ambiguity as far as how many people actually are watching that stuff. And that's been an issue where sometimes they tend to be very tight-lipped exactly. of the various streaming services, but when they do really well, like Jungle Cruise... They were all too happy to put out, this is how many people downloaded this, and that was that. When Netflix gets the next episode of Stranger Things out, oh, this is how many people were watching, it was great. But sometimes they're real tight-lipped about, oh, it was great, it was the highest debut. Debut of what? You know, are you lying or are you spinning it? So there's that. Maybe things are like, Scarlett, don't worry, we'll get you taken care of, wait till this happens, but it never happens. You know, the numbers are never released as far as the streaming services, and they're not you know, required to do so. It's not like the box office where they have to let those numbers out. They'll do it if they choose to. So maybe that needs to change. But also contract status. I mean, they started work on Black Widow in, what, 2016, 2017. There was no pandemic. COVID-19 didn't exist. There was no Disney Plus. There was no Disney Plus. Streaming was in its infancy at this point. So you didn't factor that in. So your contract is written pre-COVID. Well, now COVID changes everything, but the contracts weren't adjusted accordingly. But there have been exceptions to that where, say, Wonder Woman 1984, which helped launch the streamer, which is HBO Max, there were whole new bonuses given out to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, who directed and starred in Wonder Woman 1984, to make up for that. But then you had John Krasinski, one of the stars and directors of A Quiet Place 2, starting to bring up some concerns. Well, wait a minute, saying exactly what Scarlett Johansson is, but then he got automatically picked up for a third movie. We'll cover you in the third movie, so no need for a lawsuit. With, without giving away more spoilers, we do know, we've already mentioned there will be spoilers, Scarlett Johansson's character has died already in the last Avengers movie, and this movie is not a follow-up to that, it's a prequel to that. So she's still around. Clearly this is going to be the last Black Widow movie, at least to star Scarlett Johansson. She's This is her swan song, she gets her own movie, she's not coming back, and now she's probably really not coming back because she's you know gone against Disney. But one last point is Don Iger for a long time was the CEO of Disney, and he just recently stepped down, and I'm having a brain fart here who the new guy is, who was his successor. They never really saw eye to eye, and there's a lot of talk that Iger is 
mad and humiliated that Disney is going down the path that this other guy's taken it. And this instance in particular is just embarrassing to him. If he was in charge, he would have done this and this would have looked scarlet. Look, we'll make, we'll make this do before the end of the summer. Please don't jump off a boat. We'll make this right. We'll reword the contract, whatever. But that's not happening because Iger's not in charge. And again, it's not like they've got another Black Widow movie on the way that can maybe compensate for this in a way similar to what they're able to do with A Quiet Place. It It's not yeah. on the way. I mean, it's... She's it, going to be done. Yeah, so this is... This is a, a very difficult scenario here for Disney, but I think it is a good one overall for the movie industry to have to work its way through. Yeah. Because, listen, if you decided to go down this streaming road, you've got to be able to figure out how you're going to deal with this. And for streamers, you've got to be a little bit more transparent. How about start by even being transparent somewhat about what is actually being viewed and how much it's being viewed on your services. Well, it, you know, what it means to broadcast or release means something different than it did just a couple years ago on TV. You have Nielsen, just a real quick crash course on TV and on radio, and they will, you know, do the charts as to how many people were listening out of how many tune, tune in their TVs or tune in their radios or whatever. Movie theaters have to release the box office numbers. Streaming does not have to because they're privately held kind of things. That needs to change, you know, because you, you, there's enough fuzzy math around Hollywood as it is that people that, you know, created the property initially, like, say, Superman, Siegel and Schuster's family and their estates are legally owning of Superman, and they lease it out with the rights. Well, Warner Brothers or whoever will put out, well, the movie didn't do well, but it probably did better than they're letting it know, so they don't have to pay as much as they need to pay. That needs to be straightened out for one, but you need to bring streaming into this at the very least. Bottom line, we need to know what's actually good and what's not. We need to know what's successful and what's not when it comes to the, this streaming stuff. We don't have any way of knowing. So this is, Scarlett Johansson isn't you know going to war, but she's the tip of a very long spear with a lot of you know spear shaft, if you want to use the metaphor behind it. A lot of people that are feeling in a very similar predicament and future contracts, if they're not already, need to be airtight with their language as far as how things are going to go. And that's going to have to include revealing what the streaming numbers are. Well, if you make X amount of the box office and X amount in streaming, then they need to make that releasable. And whatever union or whatever needs to force that, they you know, SAG and so forth, all these unions in Hollywood, they're powerful. If they say no, we've seen it in the past, they'll shut down. And things just don't get written or don't get starred in or whatever, and that shuts down Hollywood. And if they want to see that happen, then continue to be oblique about how things are moving forward and what you're taking in. Because if you're going to try to hold on to it and hold all those acorns for just you, it's going to cause problems like we're just starting to see happen. Yep. This will be an interesting one to watch where it ultimately goes. All right, are you ready to talk fall preview? Let's talk what is coming. So thankfully there will be minimal spoilers because these movies aren't out yet. But uh, we're going to take a look at the, we're calling it the fall, but this is really the end of 2021, so it'll bring us up to the end of December. So what's coming out? Or Labor Day weekend through Christmas time, New Year's. And we've got a good slate. We do, yes. We should with all the movies being held back. So we're starting off uh, first weekend in September. We're looking at the Speaking of Marvel. And speaking of Marvel, yes, Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, is coming to theaters. This is the continued expansion of Marvel. 
Shang-Chi is one of the, the newer Marvel characters, too. I, yeah. I forget how recently he came into the into the picture in terms of the comic book realm, but um, he's hitting the big screen now as one of the, the new parts of the next phase of Marvel. Phase 4. The phase 4 really has done a lot of streamers. Speaking of, you know, not to get away from Disney and Disney+, Plus, they've been limited series with WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now you have Loki, and there's more coming. Hawkeye's got a limited series coming. Well, now we're getting on back to the big screen for the first time since Black Widow, which just came out, of course, which was really the first big screen release of this. Now we're not only just going into Phase 4, we're breaking new ground and we're expanding things since a lot of the core Avengers characters are more or less done. Robert Downey Jr. is done with Iron Man. Uh, now Black Widow's done. Thor going to keep going with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be showing up in the new Spider-Man movie. So some of those guys are continuing and some are done. And we got to expand that ground, so now we have Shang-Chi coming in, so Marvel, and Marvel's going to have a big fall. They have a couple of movies coming out, and when you factor that in with Black Widow from the summertime, 2021 has been very sparse of, well, anything, but Marvel too. It's starting to get caught up, and fall in particular, it's really going to go zooming off. Yeah, getting revamped again after, like you said, going into more of a, a streaming sense with things that came after uh, what they had with Endgame, but and now getting new characters involved too, and a really a, a very Asian focused story here as well with what they've got with with Legend of the Ten Rings and 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 uh, Simu Liu uh, leading the way there on that one. So and with the Ten Rings itself, you know when the Mandal- when the uh, the Mandarin came into Iron Man three, you, they were part of the Ten Rings. So let's learn a little bit more. Of course, that was more of a terrorist group, but what is the Ten Rings? In and of itself, it was it something that got perverted? Let's learn more about that, and this will be it. So Marvel's coming back in a big way, and they're going to strike. A memo- I can't keep saying Memorial Weekend, Labor Day weekend, which is just around the corner here. They're going to strike. Let's hope for good things. Yeah, and continuing to expand the ever-widening world of Marvel, which I don't know how they do it sometimes, but doing it again here with uh, with that movie coming along there Not on, to mention the, the, ever, the ever-widening world of Disney, because now they're doing more live-action remakes Cinderella. Do they own Cinderella? Because Cinderella wasn't just originally Disney. That was a book, like a fairy tale, but they did a, the best known version of it. Yeah. So do they own it now or do they just get to remake their own cartoon version from the 40s or whenever into live action like everything else? Because Cinderella is next up on the block. It is. And I don't know. Is this one a Disney release? Yeah. Oh, it is. So they're yes. doing two Disney releases in one weekend. On the same week. Well, you got one for the boys, one for the girls. But you've got great singers doing the role because Cinderella going to be a musical. Clearly, you got uh, pop singer Camila Cabello, Adina Menzel, who's of course really made her chops with Frozen. Yeah, they're really leaning into the musical aspect. By the way, I'm sure there are a lot of ladies who would enjoy going to see Shang. Yes, don't as well. yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong. Don't get me wrong. But but yeah, for and a lot of guys who or maybe some guys who would be interested in checking out a musical. I don't sure. know. But West Side Story, come on. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, Cinderella uh, coming up that same weekend then, like you said, Camila Cabello uh, is at the center of that one. Looks like it's very very musically focused with what they've got in mind with it. Um the Cinderella story has been done in so many different ways and so many different kind of approaches and so many different titles too we've seen it under different titles as well i'm curious what this latest iteration of it is going to to try to do as far as doing something different with the same story well i think rather than what they did say like with beauty and the beast and under the sea with the little mermaid when they really kind of revitalize revitalize the the, the cartoon realm this might have a pop soundtrack to it. I mean, very pop, very non-Disney-esque, so to speak, unless you're talking like Hannah Montana, 
pop soundtrack. You got Camille Cabello. Clearly she could sing. Adina Menzel, yes, she could sing, but maybe more so than even just what the Frozen did, where they made the movie. This could be something that you're not hearing you know, a lot of songs from Frozen playing on stations that aren't Radio Disney. This could be something else. I guess you could say that they might be trying to have the best of both worlds. That one You're went completely over your yet. head. That's a dad joke. <laughs> that's such a dad joke. You said Hannah Montana. So that's like the only thing that I know as far as like Hannah Montana, best of both worlds, because I hear people sing that song sometimes, and I've heard that song before. Moving on. Yeah. September anyway, 17th. I didn't, watch, fam- I didn't watch that show as a kid, I promise. Are you familiar with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? This is before you were around, but are you familiar with who they were? No. Okay. I'm not. Well, they're doing a biopic now. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, as in Tammy Faye Baker. Now, back in the 80s, the the big TV pastor types and all this, send money to this. Well, Jim and Tammy Faye were taking all this money for the starving children and putting in remote-controlled curtains into their room and lavish lifestyle, pretty much all funded by these people giving oh, for good. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. They become their big yeah. caricature. Tammy Faye and Jim, I think, have both passed away at this point. But now you've got Jessica Chastain... Starring as, and she's a gorgeous gal, and Tammy Faye, no offense, was not. Way overly made up. If she jumped into a swimming pool, whoever jumped in versus who came out would have looked way different. So, and that was part of it. You get a good read out of this. So they're doing a biopic of this. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because Jim and Tammy Faye, at the time that they were, you know, doing their thing, they were... It's almost like the Kardashian train wreck. You couldn't not watch it. Oh, no. And it was, that's what it was. But it was also to the point where when it you knew what was coming finally came, and well, they're scamming people. Of course they were. Andrew Garfield, of course, is going to be Jim Baker in this. Uh, it, this could be an interesting one, but this might be the first. Fall is when a lot of the Oscar contenders start coming out. This could be the first one for the 2022 Oscars that gets a lot of buzz. And, you know, the same way that when Margot Robbie did I, Tanya. You know, another fall from grace, so to speak. This is kind of in the same vein. It'd be interesting to see how Tammy Faye is portrayed by Jessica Chastain. Fascinating. It sounds like it's a a real test of your acting chops, being in a role like that one, which she's got plenty of them, as we've seen in the past. Yeah. Oh, she's got all kinds of skill. Everything from, you know, terrorist hunters to a southern, you know, housewife kind of thing. She could play the ranch. From the help to uh, Zero Dark Thirty, I think that's quite a range. Yes, this will be somewhere in the middle, but this will be really good. She's she she's going to be one of those. She'll be a Meryl Streep type. That's she's nominated. What again? Chastain again? She's that good. So what's the deal here with this Eastwood movie, Cry Macho? So this is Clint Eastwood going back to his broad bread and butter or spaghetti, if you want to put it this way. He's putting on the cowboy hat, and that was a big thing in '92 when he did Unforgiven. Probably going to be his last Western. Well, now we've got another one, Cry Macho, and this is going to be another one of those. It'll be in theaters, but it'll also be on, in this case, HBO Max, because it's Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and this is where, it seems like it's a modern, modern-ish day Western, where he is uh, having to go down to Mexico to get the brother of somebody who's wanted and bring him back to extradition in the U.S., but it's a Western. And that's this is what made Clint Eastwood's career long before Dirty Harry, long before he was a director. But Sergio it is a Leon. modern Western, you say? I, I get the vibe that it is. Okay. I haven't seen a lot on it yet. You just kind of get the imagery of him and his cowboy hat, but all the specific stuff. It seems, 
I don't think modern in 2021, but maybe it, this was written on a book that actually came out in 75. So maybe this is a modern Western set in the 70s. So modern-esque rather than the 1870s. It's looking like 1978. Yeah, when the, uh, the book came out somewhere in the 70s. So I get a feeling, and it was written, I think, contemporarily when the book came out. So it does the movie follow that same kind of timeline and it's set in the 70s because I don't know how feasible especially with all the issues in border stuff these days you could get Clint Eastwood just riding over the Mexican border not like John not like Billy the Kid you know you if, have to go back a ways if you are a trailer watcher it was just released a couple of days ago the, oh, first, okay. the first trailer for the movie w- one thing that I have enjoyed about about some westerns some in in recent years is that I, I love how Yes, you can do a modern Western, and you can do it pretty successfully, too. The the idea of the Western perhaps has changed from what we know that it used to be from the days of the Spaghetti Western or the days of John Wayne. The idea of a Western, though, the, the... what you can do with, with that landscape, that canvas, those things, you can still tell a lot of compelling stories. Absolutely. And we, we've seen that in recent years with some of the some of the movies that have been um, that that have come out and been released. That modern westerns can still work. I mean, look at a look at a movie like No Country for Old Men. Regardless of how you feel about how it all ended and all of that, I mean, there's there's an example of hey, you there's know, a modern you, western. Yeah, you can make a modern kind of tale work in a western sense, um, using and borrowing maybe some of the tropes of what it what it once was, while still putting a modern spin on it. You know, westerns are by their very design, they're not flashy maybe the gunfight at the end open range is a great one with a great gunfight at the end just like a western and it's a true western western but they are slow burns in and of their very nature much more organic rather than to give a a metaphor here you know human growth hormone you know where you see these things that are over the top flash that's what never happened these are much more grounded in reality much more rooted i like westerns there are bad westerns but most westerns they're good. I like them. And this one has a lot of potential to be pretty good. Another recent one, Hell or High Water from about five years ago, too. That was that was another one that succeeded on, in that same vein. And there's so. going to be another Western coming out this fall. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it. Idris Elba's in it. Uh, oh, I'm having a brain fart on it, but uh, I'll, I'll come back around to it. But that also, this the fall with two Westerns that both could do pretty good. Last weekend in September... We've got the return of Venom. I did not see the first one when it came along. I love Tom Hardy, though. He's he's terrific and so often plays roles where you only see part of his face or you don't even see his full face, you know, things like again. that. Here we go again. Venom, Let There Be Carnage coming along. Uh, for people who are a big fan of the Venom character, which there are a lot. Venom has a huge following uh, yes. for for his very, uh, very odd odd way of going about things that he does um but the uh everyone's favorite symbiote is back they've done venom before not just the first one but spider-man 3 with toby mcguire you had toe for grace playing it every time they've done venom thus far even though they may have had the best ingredients it didn't rise quite like you wanted it to and it maybe Spider-Man 3 was just too much of a mess of a movie with too much involved, and Venom kind of got lost. The first Tom Hardy version of Venom, he did a great job. Everyone was universally praising his version of the character, but all the other stuff around it, eh, too much. Here's where it's almost the inmates running the asylum in this case. Now, Tom Hardy had a direct role in the story of this movie. Rather than just being really? an actor, here's your part, do it. The director of this movie, and by the way, 
When he does the role of Venom, there's a lot of times where he's in a suit, like, say, Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man, or in these days, Tom Holland. Um, now you've got a lot of CGI in there. Who would know the best way to do a CGI character than the movie's director, Andy Serkis? Gollum himself, King Kong himself. <laughs> if anybody knows how to work, A, with special effects, and B, motion capture, this is the guy that is pretty much single-handedly pushing the Academy toward maybe a, a new category for Oscars, best motion capture performance, or at least bringing it into other characters. He's done it. And so you have Tom Hardy, who did a great job in the role, now having more of a stake behind the scenes, Andy Circus, and a great supporting cast also. This one might be where, like Deadpool. They did Deadpool before they did the first Deadpool movie, and it was just kind of eh. And then they did an actual Deadpool movie with Ryan Reynolds involved directly behind the scenes, and clearly the results speak for themselves. I have a feeling we're about to see the the next coming of this character, a la Deadpool, a la other characters that have finally been done right. Suicide Squad. When you get a good crew that knows how to do it right, the Suicide Squad, much better than Suicide Squad. Yeah, so Venom getting another go-round here with, uh, with this one coming up at the end of September. Then we get into a pair of kids' movies going head-to-head Halloween vibe. on the same weekend, the first weekend in October. Yeah, with a Halloween vibe to it. I don't know. I- I'm wondering if maybe one of these movies will do better than the other one weekend, and then it'll be a role reversal the second weekend. I, I have no clue if that'll be the case, because we've got a pair of sequels, and a pair of animated sequels, and a pair of kids' animated sequels. Hotel Transylvania, Transformania. Sounds like a tro- crossover with the Transformers franchise. It kind of does. Yeah, and Adam's Family 2 going head-to-head with each other. Uh, the Hotel Transylvania franchise has continued to to churn on and on and on. I'd, I don't know sometimes how they do it. Um, some of these kids' movies that, that are able to find a core audience that they're able to get a good... A, a good working niche out of and then they just keep it rolling but there's it seems like we've got a shift here you know how many are there to, to before this one three and adam sandler was front and center of those adam sandler not involved in this one andy sandberg another snl alum is taking over uh and you got an impressive voice cast here so might this be a sequel kind of reset or whatever you want to call it going into a different direction you know, maybe one was getting a little tired. You need to come up with something fresh and new. I kind of get a vibe that is going to be what this is. Well, the Adams family has had a a similar solid resurgence cast that they too. that they've got going on. Yeah, a resurgence. Plus, now doing the cartoon version of things, which I think the Adams family lends itself to being very cartoon friendly as oh, yeah. far as um, what what you can do with that. Although, I mean. It's hard to beat when they had the live action version of that going on, but they've saw, got they've got a great voice cast for that movie as well. Yeah, we saw the first one, the cartoon Adams Family. You've got Oscar Isaac, you have Charlize Theron, you've got uh, uh, oh, who was Hit Girl, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, great show. I love every version, all the movies and the TV show and the cartoon, and they're doing a live action series Wednesday based on the character, which has got a live cast. They just cast. Um, Rachel Wise is Morticia for that one. That'll be interesting. But the first Adams Family cartoon movie, it was great. It was wonderful. And so it does. Good. Say, Let's Good. do it again. And that's exactly what my kid loved it. And so if this is more of the same, and at this point, Adams Family hasn't retreaded this enough so that, you know, we'll just do another one more of the same, you can get away with that. But after enough, you need to choose something different. Will they do an Adams Family 3? Will they change it up? Will they kind of pass the torch from the cartoon to the Wednesday show? We'll see. It but sounds like well. It sounds like you've made your choice as far as which of those two you would rather watch. 
if we'd you probably were going see to see Adam's it. family too if we right. had a choice because my kiddo is beginning to like the Adams family. Well, he knows it's coming, so okay, we'll go see it. So Hotel Transylvania, he's seen some of them. They're okay, you know, but he liked this one because we saw that in the theater. And they keep stretching that out like it's silly putty. Yes. Yes. Now we've got one. We've already talked about it. Yeah, it feels like we have talked about it ad nauseum here over the last year and a half because we have talked about it ad, na- ad nauseum for the last year and but a half. But it's been scheduled ad nauseum and rescheduled. And re- this is what, the fourth date now? They, they have yanked the rug out from under my feet. They have yanked the football away like Lucy from Charlie Brown. <laughs> um, I had a friend. I have a friend who I'm probably going to go see the movie with. Um, he sent me this um, this gif of Amanda Bynes from one of her characters from all that going. We're going to go see it eventually. <laughs> yes, eventually. Looks like maybe it's possibly going to be for real on October eighth for No Time to Die. James Bond is back. Uh, Daniel Craig. This maybe, is gonna- maybe. I've I've had like I'm skittish here because it's of how the last year and a half has been with waiting for this movie. Yeah, we should probably have said this right up front. We don't say that these dates are concrete because if we've learned anything already, they're going to potentially move. We still have our spring preview for 2020 up in the archives. I think maybe seven of those movies came out on their date and everything else still hasn't come out. So stay tuned. All of these dates are all subject to change, obviously. So now that being said, even though we said it late, uh, will it come out? This one looks good. This is going to be Daniel Craig's last outing as Bond. There will be a new Bond after this, and they've had plenty of time to get the details on this right and maybe exactly. even get, a, get an early look. There's there's no early buzz yet, but it could be good. There are some rumors that I'm not going to jump into when it comes to this, but you kind of get the idea at the end of Spectre that Bond is leaving. And based on some of the trailers you'd seen, Bond has left and is kind of coming back in Kind of like Casino, or not so much Casino Royale, but Spectre, where he was thought to be, or, uh, yeah, Spectre, where he's thought to be out there of um, Skyfall, I'm thinking, where he's kind of out of the service and presumed dead. He's kind of retired, and one of the rumors is, is confirmed that there's a different 007 that's not Bond. Yep. So Bond is just a code phrase. Well, Bond has vacated the code phrase. We'll pass it on to somebody else. Now Bond is back, but he's not really 007. It's going to be interesting how the dynamic plays out, but this is going to be his last one. And there will be a new James Bond actor. Let the speculation commence. Well, that's already been going for years, I know. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, wow, that's been going on for a while It's now. always going on. Yeah. Well, when this guy's done, this guy would make a great James Bond. So Tom Hiddleston, maybe. Idris Elba, maybe. Could be interesting. Feels like we've been doing that for the last 10 years, almost, as far as speculating who the next one would be. So anyway, no time to die. Hopefully October 8th. Hopefully it's good. Anyway, moving on. The, the next weekend, you have a great, great interest, Dave, in Halloween Kills. Jamie Lee Curtis, the Halloween franchise, continues on. There is a possible endgame in sight for the Halloween series, and this is the start of it, correct? Sort of. Kind I, of. I don't think Halloween is ever going to die. I mean, just take a look at the, the chronology of it. You almost have to start breaking it down into various different universes. I mean, it just you can't just go watch part one and go all the way through whatever. There's three different movies called Halloween, just Halloween. Uh, this is its own thing. And when they kind of did a reboot, reset sequel, uh, 2018, simply Halloween, it was a direct sequel to the original Halloween and disregarded any of the sequels. 
So now this is a direct follow-up to this one, and they're going to do another one after this. So Halloween Kills comes out this year. Halloween Ends is going to be the next year. And this, I think, is going to mark the end of... There will probably be more Halloween movies even after Halloween ends. I'm just going to go out on a very broad limb and say that. But something tells me that the most pure genesis of the actual story is going to end with this lot. Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Even John Carpenter, to a point, is back. Doing the score, he's consulting on the story. So the same group that did the last one is doing this one. And then when we do our Halloween fall 2022 preview... Halloween Ends is going to come up, and that'll be the end of this new trilogy, if you want to call it. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the end of Jamie Lee Curtis' involvement. Just this trilogy, though. Yeah. yeah. But okay. this is the last one was good. This one is more like where you think it would go. Wait a minute. If this guy keeps rampaging through the same town, at some point, don't the people fight back like en masse? They do, and they're going to, and it's going to be like an anarchy rules. We're going to hunt this guy down. The whole town gets involved. Previous victims from the first movie... Uh, and in some cases, like Kyle Richards, if you watch Real Housewives, she played one of the little girls that was being babysat in the original movie. She comes back in a cameo as the same role. Anthony Michael Hall comes back as one of the kids from the first movie. Uh, and a lot of the folks involved in the last one are back. This is going to be good. This is going to be dark. This is going to be violent. I don't think we need to remind kids not to go to this movie. <laughs> that same weekend, um, we've got a medieval matchup going on with the last duel that's going to be coming out yeah um, and not only that you've got ben affleck and matt damon back together with adam driver thrown in and here's another one we'll talk about another ridley scott movie coming out later in the fall that also stars adam driver so something with ridley scott and adam yep. driver they've got a little bromance or something going so maybe he's more a new more martin scorsese well, and de niro partnership of some adam sort. driver is just really yes really good yes. at what he does yes. so it's it's no surprise that he's in a couple of movies here this fall this being the first one where it appears as if he and matt damon are pitted against each other in a duel it's a true story about the last i forget what year it was like maybe 14 something the last sanctioned duel that wasn't you know illegal in france Yep. And so this goes way back, and this is a story of what that was. You know, and for those of you that think about what a duel is, you get you know slighted by people, and you challenge them to a duel to the death. I mean, that's those kind of dumb things happen in parking lots all over the place. But back in the day, it was done civilized. Well, the details leading into this duel are a little bit more yes. nitty gritty than that. Yeah, this one is another heavy awards contender. I got to think you have Ridley Scott, who not everything he touches is gold, but everything he touches at least looks like gold. Uh, some of those alien prequel movies, not so much, and others too. But this one has got every potential. Oh, You've boy. got Affleck and Damon not only starring in it, but they've they won an Oscar for screenwriting, and they're involved in the screenwriting on this. So this one could be. Truly glittery gold, the last duel, and I think it'll be confusing with the Ridley Scott movie followed with Adam Driver followed by another Adam Scott team up. That's a go- he's a golfer, Adam yes. Scott. Yes, Adams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Adam Driver and Ridley Scott. This will be a nice. I kind of went a Benefer route. Put them together. October twenty so, second. Big. Looking forward to Dune. This. A lot of people are very hyped about Dune. I'm not in that category. Like uh, the whole Dune story is not one that I've ever really gotten into. But there are a lot of people, Dave, who are super excited about Dune. It's a great story. I'm familiar with it. I've saw the first movie. It's not my thing either. Even though I do like sci-fi, but this the first movie was done back in like '84, and based off of Herbert's book, it just 
eh. I mean, it's it's beautiful and it's gorgeous, but it just drags. So now we've got another one that's looking to be a lot more souped up. Uh, can it be done? Can they do it right? Can they make it interesting and bring people aboard that don't know what Dune is? Uh, it's about you know, where spice is the big commodity that all these people in the sci-fi world want and powerful people control it and other people are being oppressed. It's an age-old story, but done in a different way. Can they do it justice this time? And there's a lot of hoopla. This will be another day and date release. It'll be It's a Warner Brothers, so it'll be on HBO Max, I think it is. Uh, this is one that could hopefully go very, very well. November or October 22nd, keep your eye open for this one. And go see that one versus the other one. We'll just mention it in passing, Jackass Forever. They've already you know, put the final nail in the coffin for Shark Week for me. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just making a courtesy mention of yep. it, right? That's that's it. That's Moving gotten on. so dumb. You got these guys. Some of these guys are having problems with chemical dependency. Like, dude, we don't want you to do this movie. We want to take care of yourself. And now he's suing the filmmakers for. And oh my word! All of it is just getting kind of dumb. But okay. I mean, it was fun when I was younger and I was in college. But at some point, these guys are the same guys. They they got grandkids and they're still doing the dumb stuff. Oh my word! So it, it is. There's a reason why there's a lot of new guys. These guys are either too hurt, broken down, or just too old. Forever, I hope this is it. Last night in Soho, October 29th. This one looks really good. I don't know anything about this one. So you've got Anya Taylor-Joy, who has really gotten some notices here in the last couple of years between a couple of series and a couple of shows. She's really getting well-known. So here's a gal that wakes up in the past, back in the 1960s, I think it is, and she finds out that maybe this past that she's found herself in is not all that it seems to be. It's, it looks like it's a pretty good psychological thriller, kind of mystery kind of... This is one that really does look particularly good. This one could really be something interesting. And Edgar Wright is directing it. Now, Edgar Wright most ah. recently did... Uh, did uh, Oh, my Lord, I can't believe I forgot the... Baby Driver. Baby Driver. I wanted to say Cry Baby. I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> He's teamed up with Simon Pegg a lot. Anything this guy so far has touched has been... While it may not be Oscar winning, it's darn good. So you got to give the benefit of the doubt. You got a great actress with Anya Taylor Joy. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Anya Taylor Joy, she most recently and most notably was involved with The Queen's Gambit. Yes, yes. Um, so she's one of those new upcoming actresses that that really kind of got her noticed. And she's also jumping into other feature films and getting noticed. Uh, she's going to be one of those actresses that you might be right now, huh? Who you're going to, that's only short lived. She's going to become somebody you very well know. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. I have a feeling that what you think you see in the movie isn't exactly as it is. It's going to have a little bit of uh, duplicity to it and maybe a twist I can think coming, but Edgar Wright, well suited to handle the material. This could really be one to keep your eye on. So it'll be out last weekend in October, not a Halloween movie, a last night in Soho. Keep your eye on this one. Back to Marvel we go, because Marvel just needs to keep our attention as much as possible. November 5th, The Eternals hits the big screen. Um, another another aspect of Marvel getting play here. I, I don't know where they find all of these sometimes, but here we are. I'll admit a little ignorance. I'm not a big comic book reader, so I before Guardians of the Galaxy, let's this say, came out. This is an impressive out. cast, though. Oh, yeah. I didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. I just went and saw it completely a novice, didn't know anything, and really enjoyed it. For my impression, and I could be completely wrong, but that's kind of the fun point in admitting this here, 
I kind of get the impression that Eternals is almost like it's a more of a focus on the gods from Clash of the Titans sort of thing, where there's are the, the Roman and Greek goddesses of mythology, but in a superhero capacity. It's kind of what my impression is, and I may be totally wrong. Gives you an idea of what I know or don't know about the Eternals. But you have an amazing cast involved in this one. A lot of up-and-comers, a couple of veterans also, and this is somehow going to work its way into the MCU Phase 4 Somehow. Yeah, somehow. Yeah. We've got, well, who's in this thing? We've got uh, Gemma Chan, Angelina Jolie, probably one of the bigger names in this, but it seems like she's got more of a supporting role. Kit Harrington yep. is in it as well. Salma Hayek is in, and there's there's a large ensemble cast that, that comes in there too because it's a, it's a collection of people who are a part of this. Let's see. Here's the premise. After an unexpected tragedy following the events of Endgame, the Eternals... An immortal alien race created by the Celestials who have secretly lived on Earth for over 7,000 years reunite to protect humanity from their evil counterparts, the Deviants. That has absolutely no bearing on me because, again, I'm not as deeply embedded in the comic book side of things, but I'm sure for people who are, they get a chance to see all of this and with a pretty nice cast at the center of it. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy, this is more like Guardians on Earth, but they have lived unassuming lives as you know, maybe checkout boys or somebody, that they move from job to job so you don't realize that Steve at Food Mart has been there for 50 years and is still 12 years old. It, 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 these are people that now are called into service to defend against something bigger than any of us. Kind of seems sort of like what I talked about, but maybe they're not so much gods as much as they're... Well, maybe got, in a way they've they got are, a mythological but, look about yeah, them. Yeah, interesting. It kind of looks like the you know the Roman gods with Clash of the Titans and so forth. But this should be an interesting one, and do not count out what MCU is possible to do. A lot of movies have come along. Like I wasn't all that interested in Doctor Strange or Guardians of the Galaxy, and I went and saw them, and I loved them. So they they are batting what twenty five for twenty five. Don't count them out. This could be a good one. Who are you going to call, Dave? I'm going to call the theater, and I'm going. <laughs> November 11th, Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming along as the Ghostbusters series continues on. But, Dave, what's going to be different about Afterlife? It's a new cast, but evidently the majority of the surviving cast are all back. Now, I don't want to get into the 2016, the 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 version with uh, with, with Kate McKinnon and, and Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. I don't want to get into that whole thing because most of the cast was back for that one too, but they were all camo- cameoing as different people. This essentially is the family of Egon Spengler, who is Harold Ramis, who is no longer with us, who Egon at some point had moved out to like Oklahoma. Well, what the heck was he doing out there and why is all this ghostbusting fighting stuff out there? It gets handed down to his family and they start to realize he didn't move out here just to get away from it all. There's something out here that he came out to be a guardian against. So they take up his mantle. But everybody, with the, I think the exception of Rick Moranis, who's more or less retired, everybody yeah. that's still around is in it, not just as some other random character, but you know, Bill Murray is back as, as, as yep. Bankman. Bill Dan Murray, Aykroyd is Dan back. Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, They're all and back. Annie Potts. They're all yep. back, even in a small role. But they're all back. And so not only that, this movie is directed by Jason Reitman, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two. This movie is, I think I got the impression that the last Ghostbusters movie uh, with the with the gals was basically, let's make a Ghostbusters movie. 
They, there wasn't, uh, they didn't bring anything new to the table. I mean, they had a great cast, but all the ingredients weren't there. This one definitely seems to be a labor of love. It picks With up some, some serious attachment to yes. the mythology of the series. There was no yeah. attachment on any Quote, level unquote. at all, really, to with the last one compared to any that had come before. This one is a direct sequel, more or less, maybe you know, thirty years after the last one, and everyone's back in front of and behind the scenes. This one looks to be it brings something new to the table. It does bring something that the other one lacked, which is something special. It's certainly not from a lack of talent, but this one, there's a buzz around this one more so than the other one, and has nothing to do with guys or gals. It just seems to be, that let's make a movie because we want to, versus, eh, let's do another one we'll make some money. Now, as far as making a movie because you want to, and you want to put together a really slick cast for it, how about a slick trio for the next movie that we've got, Red Notice? This with could be good. Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds all together here for a movie that involves an art thief, I believe, and what looks like a lot of intrigue. And I think this is tied into Netflix, too, isn't it? It looked like HBO was going to do this. This would be coming on HBO Max, but Netflix got the distribution right, so it'll be on Netflix. And I think it's coming into theaters also, because Netflix does have some of those, too. Um, So you have Dwayne The Rock Johnson as an FBI profiler, and he's somehow teamed up with a master art thief and a master con person, which are played by Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds. This, you could see straight man comedy sidekick, but great talent all across the boards. It seems like kind of a screwy version of the uh, Thomas Crown Affair to some degree, but with a lot more comedy worked in. Um, this could be good. This really could be a good movie. Apparently, it involves the world's greatest tracker. That's Dwayne Johnson. The world's greatest art thief, that's Gal Gadot, and the world's greatest con artist, and that's Ryan Reynolds. And they're all coming together here. Who's going to screw the other one, or are they going to try to find out a way to work together, and there could be some bigger thing at play, and maybe the FBI guy, The Rock, has to realize what the greater good is here, and maybe it's not with the FBI. Who knows? I'm speculating, but this could really be a fun movie. It may not be the most complicated movie, but it could be a real crowd-pleaser uh, this is one to keep an eye on, Red Notice. It'll be in theaters, and it sounds like on Netflix also. And it looks like it's the biggest movie Netflix has ever made as yes. far as as far as far the uh, budget. I saw the number, 150 to $200 million going into this movie. I mean, this is a huge project that they have undertaken by putting this together. So They've, they've done some original stuff, obviously, Stranger Things. They've done a couple of movies. Mark Wahlberg did a couple. Um, but this one is... They're trying to play with the big boys, kind of first step in. And this one looks like it might be over the wall with a good hit. Keep your eye on Red Notice. It'll be coming out uh, early, mid-November. This could be a fun one. Next weekend, pretty big weekend. Um, two, Two movies that are getting some headlines going in, and the first one, of a sequel that people have waited a long, long time for, including you, Dave, Top Gun Maverick is yeah haven't you've had to wait a little bit longer for it but top gun maverick is hitting the big screen a lot has been talked about about the fact that tom cruise has really put a lot into this movie as far as the stunts and the work that went into this now we get to start seeing the payoff later in november and the funny thing is it got delayed even before the pandemic they had a pretty good movie on hand and tom cruise who's not just a star in this he's a producer we could do better with the photography. So we're going to reshoot a lot of this stuff with actual planes, and there are moments where we've talked about him and his stunts. He is, at times, in full control of some of these jets while he's being filmed, 
And it makes, I guess, for an amazing product. That wasn't even close to the reality when they did the first Top Gun movie. Those were shot on stages, you know. But this is for real. When you see Tom Cruise flying a jet, you are actually watching Tom Cruise fly a jet for the brief moment that they film it before he hands control back to whoever. But this one looks to be good. You've got Miles Teller as the son of Goose. And in real life, this looks to be mimicked here in the film. Fighter pilots are becoming less of a thing, and drone pilots are kind of taking over. So you've got an aging dinosaur that is Maverick, who kind of refuses to move forward with the times. Even Val Kilmer has a small appearance as an admiral. And Val Kilmer, of course, in bad health these days, he's got his own documentary. Apparently, he can't even really speak anymore. Oh so this maybe this is one of the last roles before whatever they did to his voice box was done. But this is a, a labor of love. It looks to be good. And even when I showed you the original Top Gun, you're like, yeah, I get what the appeal was. This was a fun movie. Not a great movie, but it was fun. And it was enjoyable. It was a car- crowd pleaser. I have a feeling this movie is going to be just a notch above that. It'll be slightly more than just a Pepsi commercial. Well, if the visuals and the technical aspects of it are anything to go by, I mean, that will certainly help. We'll, we'll see what they do with it as far as story. Yeah. That's, I think that's going to be the, the key kicker here because they've got the rest checked off big time by the looks of it. Let's see what else they can bring to it. Same weekend, if you just see the title, you wouldn't know what you were going to think. You'd see a mother, you know, medieval story, but it isn't. Nope, and I've, I was watching the Olympics coverage, so I saw the trailer for this, and it, it is a very interesting-looking movie, King Richard, starring Will Smith, and it's the story of Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Talk about, you know... It, well, it, really, their collective story, I should say. Well, yeah, this guy... You knew his daughter's a talent, and he absolutely honed that. You know, social life be darned, you're going to become the greatest stars that this sport has ever seen, and they have succeeded at that. I mean, how many Olympic medals and Grand Slam titles and Wimbledon titles and so on and so forth have these girls done? I mean, they are the Michael Jackson of the Jackson 5. They are the Tiger Woods of golf. They are, you name it, and their fathers behind them every step of the way that really made it happen. This is going to be a very interesting story uh, Will Smith, I think in a way, needing a career comeback a little bit, this could be it. This could be Oscar talk. He might actually land it this time. He's come close a few times. This could really be good. King Richard. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it, it's got me very intrigued as far as how they'll tell the story of all that all that he did as far as propelling his daughter's careers forward and like how much how much emphasis will be on him, how much emphasis will be on them. There's there's so much to unpack with this going into it. Oh yeah, and what kind of response will there be from the Williams family too to this movie as well? That was another thing that I thought when I saw this trailer one when they released it during the Olympics. I was like, I wonder how the Williams family just on the whole is going to take this movie too. So, or how involved have they even been if it if at all with this? So. We'll see. We'll see what comes along with that on November 19th. Have we talked about Ridley Scott and Adam Driver yet? I feel like we have. It sounds vaguely familiar. Not enough. Why not another one? Not though? enough. The House of Gucci is coming out on the 24th of November. This, this is interesting. Another Ridley Scott movie. Adam, Adam Driver's in it, but now you have Lady Gaga. All-star cast. Al Pacino is in it. And this is a true story. The Gucci brand, everyone knows about it. Um, there was, there's been murder and, in, and, and, and backstabbings and so forth within the family. And this is the, let's call it dramatized true story of some of what had gone on behind the scenes. And it should be a very lavish production with the cast. And of course, Ridley Scott, two movies in the fall, both with Adam Driver and Ridley Scott together. Don't get confused. So house of Gucci will be the other one. 
that comes out here at the uh, midpoint, late part of November. This should be an interesting, I think, another potential awards contender. And Lady Gaga, great singer, we all know, and after A Star is Born and she's done some other work, she's got some good acting chops. And is starting to get a few projects come along where she's been involved with it, too, with this now being the, the latest one. That she's she's gotten you know, into. She's always had talent, but when you show up in a meat dress, they start to look at you sideways. But when you start showing up and doing some amazing singing, I mean, really not pop catchy stuff, but I mean, blowing it away at some amazing acting work. Not that you shouldn't have from the get go, but people that weren't before are now very much taking Lady Gaga seriously for lots of various things. You could see her up for Oscars here, Golden Globes, and so forth. This could be good. There's seriously another Resident Evil movie. Sort of. Yes, there is. But this is a reboot. So we've had Mila Yolo, Yolo, I can't say her last name. They did, what, eight of those. This is a complete reboot uh, going in a completely different direction based off the video game series. So we've got Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. I don't. This could be one of those where it's either going to jump the shark and maybe we should have just ended it with Paul W.S. Anderson. I thought it was a parody when I saw the title. <laughs> This is either going to jump the shark and it's going to be the last nail in the coffin, or it's, this is really good, kind of like, you know, was it Fast Five did for the Fast and Furious franchise that gave it new life? This is either going to be that, or it's going to crash and burn. It'll be one of the two, but it's going to be a complete reboot of the Resident Evil series, which, of course, is based on the video games. Um, Whole new angle here, so stay tuned. Yep. Okay. I don't have a whole lot to add to that one because I've never really been into the series all that much, but... Um, I just thought that the t- I was looked at the title and I was like, "Is this real?" But it is. So, so what's the deal with Soggy Bottom on November twenty sixth? This is an interesting one. This is uh, Bradley Cooper plays a high school student who, gra- who moves forward and is trying to wait, become wait. an actor. Bradley Cooper plays a high school student. Well, let's, let's put it this way: his character is played by various different actors, including younger actors. But since high school, trying to become. Uh, an actor. This is set back in the 70s, and Bradley Cooper plays the adult version of this character. Okay. And this is a good one. You have Paul Thomas Anderson, who's a very competent director. This yep. is another one that I think you're going to hear around Oscar time. Uh, so Soggy Bottom is about his attempt to become an actor. you got a very good uh, cast around him, but Bradley Cooper is front and center on this one. He has become more than just the cool guy from the Hangover movies. A Star is Born, not only did he do a great job acting and singing, but he directed that movie. Um, so Bradley Cooper is clearly trying to become more than just the the hunky guy that's in the fun comedies and thus far succeeding. This could be his first, where Lady Gaga was head and shoulders above him and the star is born. This might be where Bradley Cooper now takes his next step up. Stay tuned. Head and shoulders above him? I heard he was really good in that, though. He, yeah, he was. He was up for an Oscar. But he, you know, with uh, I think it was the year that, uh, wasn't that when Joaquin Phoenix won for Joker? I think it was. Well, that's that's a tough year to beat. That's a tough year to beat him. But uh, this will be a big one. So watch Soggy Bottom. Interesting title, but it'll be uh, coming out at the end of November. We jump into December, and then he's in a movie the next weekend, and a psychological thriller at that. Nightmare Alley. Guillermo del Toro with this one. Yeah, the new master of horror. He and James Wan, I think, could share that crown. I think would be going well. Bradley Cooper's back. Kate Blanchett. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting one. It's a psychological horror movie that is, um, this could be very, very interesting. The premise goes, he's a Well, I've got William Defoe, so I'm already a little concerned. Well, when you hear <laughs> that, that Bradley That Cooper's, already makes me a little scared. When you have it about being a carny and Bradley Cooper and you get uh, Willem Defoe hanging around the carny circuit, this could be interesting, where he is able to manipulate people 
But he finds and hooks up with a psychologist who might be even more demented than he is, played by Kate Blanchett, who could play, heck, she played, as a woman, she played Bob Dylan convincingly. So what can't Kate Blanchett do? So you get her playing against Bradley Cooper with a sort of a, a circus sideshow background. This really could be an interesting one. Yep, so that'll be first weekend in December. Second weekend, it looked like it was going to be released on Christmas when it was supposed to come out. Last year. Did not. Yes, now it's been moved back. West Side Story hits theaters on December 10th. The new version, Steven Spielberg's version of West Side Story, which I already saw an early teaser for uh, during the Olympics. They're, they're starting to drum it up already. There's, you know, the, Say what you want about the, the classic one from the 60s, Robert Wise directing it and Natalie Wood. Gorgeous movie, but it's, it is a product of its time, and it's kind of hokey. It works better on the high school stage, and I've seen it in a couple of different high school musicals. I've seen the original 60s version. This one looks like it's going to pay a lot of homage to that, but it's going to be one that is a lot easier to take seriously, I guess. You don't get guys that show up to dance by snapping their fingers at each other and doing these, you know, they're going to do it in a way that's going to be a little more straightforward. And Spielberg, it's hard for him to swing and miss. It's not like it never happens, but when he's on his own, and this is another passion project for him, and it's the first musical that he's done, uh, this is going to be an interesting one. West Side Story is one of those that is definitely due for a remake, an updating, a refreshing, because it's, it's not one that has a quintessential version. It's shown so many times. The movie is what it is. There's X number of uh, redos, so it's it's just a straight-up remake in the hands of a master. This could really be something very, very good. So that is coming up on the 10th, and there's two other movies that you found for that weekend as well, Dave, um, with some pretty good casts that are attached to them. Yes, American Underdog is going to be another one of those. Got a great cast. You've got Zachary Levi. You have Anna Paquin. And American Underdog, if you're a sports guy, and this is where I'll turn it over to Hoove, who knows his sports, Kurt Warner, one of the greatest quarterbacks yes, of all time. that's right. But he didn't go in like that. Everyone's like, who, this little twerp? Yeah, good luck with that. But he ultimately went down as one of the best ever. And when here's I, the story. Yeah, when I looked at the title, of, well, just American Underdog, I was like, Okay, it's but but then I realized, oh, this is the Kurt Warner movie. Kurt Warner yes, movie. because Kurt Warner has got quite a story. I mean, his his journey to the NFL was a very meandering one, and then got to the NFL and ended up having an incredible couple of years that for his career there, especially with the with the Rams. Then went on to the Cardinals. Then a little bit later too, very successful career, um, and a guy who who won a lot of fans over with with his story and just how he. Quarterbacks you know, his way generally along. aren't the big guys. They're not like the linebackers. But even as far as quarterbacks go, linebackers – this guy was even smaller by quarterback standards. Well, he can't do – he can't barely throw over the linebackers. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? Yes. How many Super Bowl rings does he have? You know, Yes, he did just fine. And he transformed the St. Louis Rams at the time from a nobody team into a powerhouse that came really close to winning the World, the Super Bowl, I almost said World Series – Super Bowl – on a couple of occasions, this they, guy was one of the best, and they did win it. They on did one win it once, as yes. well. Yep, with with him at quarterback, and then they lost to the Patriots there a little bit later. But yeah, so Zachary Levi is going to play Kurt Warner and and be in that role. Anna Paquin is going to play his wife as well. So um, his his is a great story. I mean, I knew his story anyway. Didn't didn't need a movie to really tell it, but it's it's a good one as far as for the movie treatment so I'm I'm curious how it's going to come off then as far as hitting the big screen I like what ESPN could do with these things but when you get Hollywood and they do it right like say Miracle the Miracle on Ice movie and others like it 
When they do a great sports movie, they do it right. Boy, it's just one of those that lives on eternally in the Man Cave collection, and this could be one of those. Well, I'm I'm a big 30 for 30 documentary guy, so I, I understand as far as the, the documentary treatment and, and how that goes. Same weekend, another movie that's got some big names attached to it, and that's Violence of Action will be released, and headlining that, Chris Pine. Yeah, you also have Ben Foster. You don't know his name, but you know his work. He's truly a chameleon. He's truly a method actor. He's one of the good ones, really. He's just a minute away from breaking out. And every movie that comes out with him in it, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one. He's one of those guys that uh, I'm a big fan of him. Anything that shows up with him, I'm automatically interested. So go watch this one. Uh, This is going to be, obviously, a violent movie. This is about uh, guys that go on a black ops mission um for something so this may be shadowy of real world stuff or well interesting and, and it's a reuniting yes of pine and and ben foster as well because they were in going back to another reference from earlier in this episode hell or high water yep. which was very very good with the two of them in it together and now they're reuniting again for this movie and then we hit it big for the rest as we get into you know mid December. You're going through the Christmas season. We're going right back into uh, Marvel again. Again, you have another Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. Tom Tom Holland is back. Uh, Zendaya shows up in this one, and she's a great star on the rise. Uh, greatest Showman. She did a great job in that one, and she's oh, she's only... a mega star. Oh yeah. yeah, Zendaya is just is huge. So she stars as MJ, whom Kirsten Dunst had played in the in the original versions. I guess you can call him that. The Spider-Man movies seem to be almost head and shoulders above others in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, so Tom Holland is back as Spidey. This one could be a good one, but you also have the returning of a couple of characters. Jamie Foxx is back as uh, Electro, who had actually showed up in The Amazing Spider-Man when Andrew Garfield was playing it, and... Alfred Molina is back as Dr. Octopus, who is in Spider-Man no 2 with Tobey Maguire. They're going to de-age him to make him look. So this is more like a crossing of universes, it almost seems like. And they're seeming to be they're doing that in the DC Universe also, where you're going to have Michael Keaton back as Batman. And this is going to be an interesting one. So this one oh, is well worth watching. my word. Benedict Cumberbatch is back as Doctor Strange, taking on kind of the mentorship role, since Tony Stark is not going to be doing that anymore. Um, this is going to be a hit. This will be good. Unless they really have boffed it, and this would be the first time they have, for the MCU anyway, this is going to be a great one. Your kids are going to be pining for it, so if you're only going to see X number of movies, this might be the one to bring the kids to see. So yes, bring the kids. All we need is Jonah Jameson going, Dr. Octopus, Doc Ock. And then right be before Christmas, the 22nd, it's going to be Sequel Mania, a bunch of sequels, at least right now, all coming out. I would not be surprised if there was a little shuffling, even non-pandemic related shuffling. First off, you have, they're going to come up with a different title, but right now, Matrix 4 is coming out. They, and They're going to come up with a different title before it actually gets released? Yes. So it won't be the Matrix 4. There's, they're the getting a little is, late in the game here for that, don't well, you think? they haven't even started promoting it yet. So no, they haven't. Not yet. But the talk is they just want to call it simply Matrix. That's the talk. We'll see. But you have Keanu Reeves is back. Carrie Ann Moss, Trinity is back. back. But Lawrence Fishburne is not back. So there's no, as far as we know, unless it's some uncredited surprise, Morpheus is not back in this one. Don't know what that means. Stay tuned. But uh, it's it's got several members of the original trilogy cast coming back. Um, they had some production issues, of course, in the middle of COVID, but they got it done. They sh- they filmed this one mostly in San Francisco area, 
Uh, first one was in Canada. The other two were down in Australia. So this is back in the state. First one actually in the states. This could be an interesting one. But is it's like the new Avatar movies? Do we want more? Did we say all we needed to? I don't know. But, you know, do not count this one out. The Wachowskis are back with this one behind the scenes. This could be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, my... I'm going a total we'll see on this because nothing is known about this movie except who is involved with it. it... Keep, keep in mind, we're talking four months out. They're only just starting to promote West Side Story. And that one started to get promoted a year ago. And that was when it was going to come out. They've just finished production on it. It's moving forward. They're not showing any teasers yet. I think once we start getting into the fall, that might start to change. Will Keanu Reeves cut his hair for this movie? I think he would have to. But I don't know. I think unless, I don't know, unless they do something a little bit different with Neo, maybe. Beats me. I I can't believe they're making another one. I guess maybe I should believe it because that's how movies work these days. In the same movie, he was bald and had hair. In earlier Matrix movies. So who knows? That's true. So who knows? Hair is only relevant. Then we have another great sequel, kids' movie, Sing 2. We saw the first one sing, and it was obviously had a great sing-along soundtrack. Yep. We're going to do it again. We've got a great cast, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Reese Witherspoon, and others. Their voices are back. This is one that the kids are going to love also, so maybe for the younger kids, Sing 2. And then The King's Man. That's Which, right. The King's Man. You you heard that faster. right. Yes. The King's Man. Say it faster. Uh, no, because then it's going to sound like another movie title. Well, that's what it's supposed to sound like. Exactly. The King's Man, which is the beginning of the Kingsman series or thereabouts as far as how that whole organization got started. This is sort of going back to the beginning. This is of set it like around World War I. Um, so this is where, well, there's forces of evil. We need to defend them. And this is where the Kingsmen start. How did they kick off the shop? You know, yeah. how did they, how did they get all of those things going? Yes. They're, they're going to be doing a Kingsman three, but this is kind of a spinoff. Uh, so they'll get back into the main course of that stuff with Harry Hard and crew, but this is still Matthew Vaughn behind the scenes and directing it. Uh, this one's got Ray Fine involved in it. You have uh, Gemma Arderton, great British actress. She's done some James Bond. Uh, this could be just in the same spirit of the original, but a bit of a refreshing, so it's not a retread. You kind of get the same thing, but set back, great cast, The King's Man. Think of it as a prequel to The Kingsman. The last the last movie on this list I know nothing about for Christmas Day, Serrano? Cyrano. Or Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergiac. This is the guy with the long nose that's got the heart of a poet, and he pines for Roxanne, who is very interested in another guy because he's very good-looking, but he's dumb as a post. And the famous scene is sort of a spoof off of the Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. They did a version of this with Steve Martin called Roxanne, and it's a great part. It's a great story. But you have uh, Peter Dinklage, very, very well known from Game of Thrones, where he's, I mean, this is what the story is. He's an ugly guy, but on the inside, he's exactly what she wants. And then you get the other guy. So you have the scene at the balcony where Roxanne's in the balcony talking to the idiot below, but Cyrano's feeding him the lines of what to say. Ah, uh. So this is an, it's an old, old story, but it's being updated again. So basically, it's Cyrano de Bergiac. Uh, this would be a good one, and it could be one that if it's well-performed. I have, Of course, there's no trailers for it yet. They did Roxanne very comedically, but it's a dramatic story. It's more of the moral of it's, it's, it's on the inside that counts and not on the outside. It's really what it's about. Is this going to be done for laughs? With Peter Diglett, who can do comedy... I have a feeling this is going to be a straight dramedy, especially being as it is, or drama, being as it's going to come out around Christmas time. But the 
publicity on this isn't out yet, so that's my vibe on it. Really quick as we wrap up, that is something that that is is evident with some of these movies here, Dave, is that there is a lot of unknown with some of these movies going into the fall. With ones that have been kicked back, I think we know a fair bit about some of them. With ones that are getting their release this fall, and, and it's a little bit closer to when the plan was, there's not as much that's been going on as far as promotion, so it leaves a whole lot of question marks. Plus, some of these movies have had to work through production during COVID, so that too has also lended itself to we might not get as much of a promotional ramp up with some of them. And even right now, COVID numbers are on the rise. Everyone wants to, I'm hearing people talk about this post COVID world. We're not there yet, we just aren't. Numbers are on the rise. And things are starting to get dialed back a little bit. School's getting ready to get back in session. Will masks be permitted? Will vaccines be required? What's going to help be the trickle-down effect from that into the movie theater kind of guys? I don't see a shutdown coming because I think the vaccines are doing what they need to do, but it's not an invincibility. So are people ready to go back to fill in the blank here, including movie theaters? Could there be a bit of a backslide? Could there be another reshuffling? And that's always the norm in Hollywood anyway, but with the pandemic, it's been unprecedented. So all of this, you got to take with a grain of salt. This is the way as of right now, mid-August, that things are looking to be for fall and the wrap-up of 2021, all, of course, subject to change. This will be an interesting one, and you do have a hodgepodge of movies made pre-pandemic that are finally coming out, and some made during the pandemic coming out. Mm This will be an interesting one, and will it hold? I hope so. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just down from the airport. And indeed, we're hoping that this movie schedule is going to hold going into the fall. I mean, there have been been a few, one or two in here that I've been waiting for for quite some time here or have been looking ahead to for quite some time as far as coming along. So hopefully this list is going to hold up as we go into the fall and hopefully... It'll be a successful one, getting back to the movies. I miss. I, I'm feeling myself on the verge to finally going back, uh, depending on the movie and depending on when I drive by the theater, if it's crowded or not crowded. Not crowded. I might be seeing a movie. We're getting close. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Now, there's several movies yeah. on this list. This is going to be a pretty good fall season. A lot of movies that have been jumping to get out. Let's go. Thanks again for joining us today and enjoy the movies this fall. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will indeed see you at the movies.